Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue Welcome to Revolution Recap, I'm Sean Donahue Joined today in studio by Brian O'Connell from New England Soccer News uh, Revolution now in third place after another really bad week. Uh, last nine games, only one win for the Revs uh, through all competitions. So uh, I think it's safe to call us a, a slump for the Revs, the way this this has been going. Um, two 4 nothing losses this week. So uh, I, I think that's the worst back-to-back results I've ever seen from the Revolution. Usually when they uh, have a game like they did on Tuesday against Joe Public FC and uh, lose 4 nothing in a game that they're, they're really the heavy favorites in. Um, obviously, they didn't play so well in the, the week before, but uh, I, for one, thought they were going to be able to come back and uh, at least at least get a result out of this one to to advance. Um, certainly wasn't expecting four nothing, but hmm. but a- after that, I think the more surprising thing to me is that they go into Columbus and put in that effort that they did, which was really a poor performance performance all around. Uh, yes, they were missing some key players, but. Uh, I don't think there's any excuse for them to lose that game four to nothing. No, it was tough to. It was definitely tough to watch. Although if I had to pick which four uh, nothing loss was the worst, I would have to say the Joe Public one. But last night it certainly wasn't. By no means, by no means was it their uh, their best effort. Um, you know, it just you know they had obviously better players for last night's game versus Joe Public. Obviously Taylor Twelman starts. Chris, Al- you have Chris Albright and uh, and Michael Parkhurst back. So I mean, you know, it's it's almost inexcusable because you know we had we had heard from Steve Nicholas after the uh, Joe Public loss as to you know what was you know what what were the uh, you know kind of the causes of of you know the team that falter so badly in that game and he just said that they were tired and you know I buy that to a certain extent um, but when you have players available. Um, you know, for last night's game that weren't, that were purposefully rested so that they would be able to play on Columbus, you know, th- that excuse kind of like loses some of its, uh, some of its weight because of the fact that, you know, a guy like Taylor Twelman didn't play on, uh, on, on Tuesday and, you know, he comes in and then obviously Albright and, uh, Parkey, they're back, so, um, and Niasi too. And Niasi too, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it, it, you know, I guess you could just, like you'd call it, Sean, it's, 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 uh, it's a slump. You know? yeah, and they, they also subbed out they, when you know when the game was clearly going to be a loss. They also subbed out guys like Joseph, mm. um, Connor Smith had a not even an injury; he was cramping up, I guess, and they mm. took him out. So these guys didn't go the full ninety minutes. Uh, Jeff Theronowitz as well didn't only went uh, half of the game. Mm. Uh, not really, no excuse to lose this one for nothing. They had Taylor Twelman back. Yes, they were missing some of their top scorers and Adam Chrisman and um, Kelly Dubé, as well as Steve Ralston. I think Steve Ralston's probably the biggest loss um, there because of not just his ability to keep possession, but his ability to create chances. And the Revs did not create chances at all uh, against Columbus or really any really good chances against Joe Public as well. Um, a team that, as I said, going into this, this uh, tournament, they were heavily favored to beat. Uh, so disappointing, especially uh, that the Rebs won't be going to the group stages of the Champions League. Obviously still time to make up um, for their loss in MLS, though they are now five points back behind Columbus. So Columbus has their own de- holds their own destiny. Of course, the Rebs play them one more time, but um, obviously Columbus, should they win out the schedule uh, and even lose to the Rebs, would still be in first place. So uh, 
going into the Super League, the Revs were in such great position, seven yeah. points ahead of the top of the league. They won that Super League tournament. Things were looking great. Since then, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, I think the stat that I overheard was uh, I think they're one five and three in all competitions since uh, Super League. So obviously, it, I think like I think you said it best, Sean. It's a bona fide slump. Um, you know, it's it's just tough to see. I mean, I understand with all the uh, commitments to Concacaf and the MLS Cup, and um, and obviously they just finished off Super League. So um, it's it, it's really really tough to see. I mean, but I guess these are the this, I mean these are the months. I mean the games in which you know uh, you know a team can can get tired very very easily. Um, I think you know coming going into Thursday, it'll be their 11th match in 38 38 days. So you know it's quite the concentration of. Of, uh, of matches for the team and I mean you know this is really really when the um, death gets tested so um, I think you made a great point about uh, Steve Ralston not being um, you know just his his absence just affecting the team in such a negative way um, I know that watching the game last night uh, I couldn't help but wonder like if there had you know if, if his different he would have made the difference um, maybe not four goals but um, you know I don't think that they would have been blanked but um, they were definitely lacking in that in terms of the service the service was just uh, to me in my opinion was horrible last night um, you know, you can't get, you can't magically get the ball to Taylor Twelman. You can't just give it to him, and things will be okay. You have to have other guys there, and you have to have guys that get the ball to Taylor Twelman. So, um, you know, it's it's, uh, it's disheartening for uh, it's disheartening to see the team. You know, uh, not 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 even a month ago, they were in first place, and uh, now they're in third place. And uh, Columbus is, is at the uh, top of the table. Yeah, and. and- uh, lot, lots to talk about here. We do have some questions that I want to get to later that were emailed in. Of course, you can always email us during the show at revolutionrecap at gmail.com. Uh, we also have some clips from Tuesday night's game that I want to get to eventually, too. Um, but uh, as you said, look, looking at this team, um, we expect the offense to struggle with some of these guys out, without Ross and without Dubé, without Chrisman now for the rest of the season, mm-hmm. without um, Kenny Mansali. Um, who I really thought was going to be back uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago, based on what I was seeing in training, um, you know, three three weeks ago, and what I heard from Nickel. But um, that, I, I haven't been training recently, I must admit, so I don't know what the deal is there. Um, but at the same time, the defense has been relatively healthy. Yes, they lost Badia to the Costa Rican national team, but of course, that's a guy that they didn't have for most of the season. Mm. So I, I don't understand, you know, how they let up four goals to Columbus. A guy like Jason Gary, who. He's played, what, six games all year, comes in, scores two goals off the bench. Uh, <laughs> the defense looked extremely slow Absolutely. on Tuesday and Saturday. Um, that's something we haven't really noticed this year. And you know, I think that that's probably what surprises me the most. I think we knew the defense wasn't fast, but um, Parkhurst has been, you know, always positioned himself very well, mm. so you don't really notice that. Uh, and that's something that we've really noticed uh, against Columbus and against Joe Public. And I wonder if that's... Partly because of the uh, the four four two the four band back line that they've been using these games and maybe it's less exposed when they have uh, Jeff Lerunowitz, Shari Joseph right in front of them and Parker's patrolling the middle. I think Parker's looks more comfortable in the three man back line actually, and I, I think on Tuesday at least in part uh, Gabriel Badia and I think communication with him was an issue, and of course um, I don't think it needs to be said again, but Amici Igwe at center back is not a good idea as we've seen time and I time think you can again. Agree on that. Uh, I, I was shocked to see that nickel put him out there. I mean, we've seen Sam Brill in the Open Cup games. He's not a bad guy at center back. Obviously not a lot of experience, but is he is it really a better option to put Amici Igwe, who almost cost the Revs the Super League final and, again, gave the uh, was directly responsible for the Revs, uh, the first goal they allowed against Joe Public, which really turned the game there because now the Revs have to get two goals instead of one. Um, actually, have to get three goals to advance mm. instead of one. Uh, I don't, I don't know why they keep putting him in the same spot and keeps making the same mistakes, um, especially in games that matter this much. You know, it doesn't. That's one thing that does not make any sense to me whatsoever. 
I was glad he was not in the center, um, in, the, in the center in the starting lineup against Columbus. But uh, I, I think that right there was a problem for the Revs on Tuesday. But again, against Columbus, they had you know everyone available for the back line except Badia. Uh, they had their two starting central central midfielders, uh, defensive midfielders, Shari Joseph and Jeff Reynolds available. Uh, I do think that Steve Ralston's uh, absence. I don't think that Steve Ralston's absence can be. Uh, I don't know, under undervalued. He, he is Absolutely a key not. player, not just in creating attacks, but in holding possession. But at the same time, you know, they can't rely heavily on, on one guy. We've seen them, you know, win these games earlier in the season, missing some key guys. I don't know what the difference is now. Yes, they've had a heavy schedule, but again, they were, they were home. Um, on, they were home for, for the Columbus match. Uh, no, they were home for the Tuesday match, and they went to Columbus. It's not... Uh, as big of a deal as it was going from Trinidad back here. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the coming weeks. I would expect Ralston to be back soon. I heard it was a game day decision on Tuesday, so I thought he might play uh, on Saturday, but I guess that wasn't the case. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the next coming weeks. Uh, The Revs really can't afford to give up many more points, and certainly the excuse of a a very busy schedule is at an end now, and now that they've uh, successfully gotten themselves eliminated from the Open Cup and the Champions League. <laughs> Indeed, and I think um, I think you made a great point about uh, about Igwe, Sean. I think it's just you know, especially when you expend you know your first round pick on a center back like Rob Valentino, you got to wonder when the training wheels are going to come off him. And you know, you see him in the center, you know, with uh, with Parky in a four man back line. But I think that's also another good point that you made was the fact that they're playing in the four four two right now. And uh, I think even Greg Lawless made mention of that last night during the telecast that you know the team seems to be you know misfiring a lot with the 442 um, you know with I think Parkey's more comfortable in the middle I mean I saw a couple of uh, uh, you know most notably the last the last Gary goal where you just you just see Parkey completely off you know com- you know just completely misplaying the ball that goes right through uh, you typically don't see that look like you know he didn't know where his responsibility was so I mean if you have him you know right in, right in center of a three man line he knows I think he I think he's better aware of what his what his uh, you know what his responsibilities are not to say that he's a worse you know, defender, center back in uh, in a four man back line, but um, you can't help but wonder. Like, uh, you can't help but wonder that uh, you know, that a three five two, you know, reverting to that. Obviously, when people get healthy, um, will greatly benefit the uh, will greatly benefit the club's form. And um, you know, you just you just hope that you know once guys start getting healthy, that the uh, the pieces will start to fit back together again. And and two, we can't we got to say that the Revs haven't had a lot of time for training because no. of this busy schedule, and that certainly plays a role, mm. um, especially when they're switching formations, switching up lineups. Uh, you can't get guys like Parkerson and Medea to get used to each other when they've had like one or two trainings, especially when Medea um, doesn't speak a lot of English at mm. all, from what we've been told. Um, so you know, there's a, there's a lot more time for that now. Um, they've said from the beginning their focus is MLS Cup. Now that's all they have to focus on going forward. So. Uh, I, I think going forward, the excuses are going away. Uh, we heard Nickel use just about every one that you could possibly think of on Tuesday night, and certainly a lot of them, certainly all of them, pretty much legitimate. Uh, but at the same time, those aren't going to be around much longer. So if the Revs don't come out of their slump soon, um, they're going to slip further and further down the Eastern Conference. Right now, they'd be playing Chicago in the first round, with Chicago as the higher seed. And the way they've gone against Chicago, that doesn't that doesn't look like a good matchup no. at all. No, but. Um, going back to Tuesday's game, as, as I said, we have some clips from Nickel, um, as well as um, the Joe Public side. We heard from uh, Gregory Richardson, the guy who had a hat trick, and apparently the Columbus crew are interested in, interested in him. So, that was interesting. Yeah, that, that would be, uh, <laughs> I guess, adding insult to injury there for uh, if Columbus <laughs> yeah. were to add that. Uh, Gregory Richardson, who looked very good there. Very sharp. And we also heard from Keith Griffith, the coach of Joe Public, but 
first I will play uh, Steve Nichols' comments so I can hear his thoughts on uh, the 4-0 loss to Joe Public and the 6-1 overall series loss to Joe Public uh, that eliminated the Revs from the Champions League. Yeah, we're done. We've got nothing in the, in the tank. Similar as that, you know. We started the Champions League game with no forwards. <laughs> Says it all. Is there any relief in that? I know you, you, you want to win, but is there any relief knowing now that you can focus strictly on MLS competition from here on in? Yeah, absolutely, you know. It's still an old saying, you know, once you knocked out the cup, you say you'll concentrate on the league, that's exactly what we'll do. I don't know what else to tell you, you know, we've played, um, the last three months we've played every four days with a roster of 18. You're flinging travelling, then that's what you get tonight. You get a team that's getting no juice. So, you know, we'll, we'll maybe manage a training session or two in the next couple of weeks. And uh, get some strength back and get on with my list. That being said, Steve, injuries, fatigue, all that sort of stuff. 4 0 at home to wasn't really what you had hoped, I would think. Well, no forwards, injuries, fatigue. Um, what else do you want to throw on? Oh, I mean, you said it all. I mean, I don't, I don't, nobody likes getting beat. We certainly don't like getting beat 4 0 at home, but as I said, you know, you, you just, you just threw everything in there. So, what's left? No forwards, fatigue, injuries, what's left? Suspensions. It's about the only thing that we didn't have. Somebody suspended. We move on. We move on. We'll get some strength back in the next couple of weeks. And we'll uh, fight on. What happened with Connor's exit towards the end of the game? He was cramping up. You know. So we really couldn't take any chances. We've got the rest of the season to play for, so we weren't going to take a chance on leaving him on the field for 20 minutes. Uh, particularly being what 3 now that wouldn't make any sense. Again, that was Revs head coach Steve Nickel on Tuesday night's uh, disappointing 4 nothing loss to Joe Public FC. Um, before we go on to the other clip uh, featuring Gregory Richardson, the, the big hero in the series for Joe Public, who had four goals, um, three at Gillette Stadium, and as well as Keith Griffith, uh, it was very interesting to hear Keith Griffith talk about how weak the Revs fullbacks are, and uh, you'll hear that when we play that clip. Um, and this is another thing that it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, in addition to playing Amici Igwe at center back, um, when they do have some other options, I don't know. Uh, obviously, Valentino being the, the yeah. guy that we would think would play. But at the same time, I think Sam Brill yeah. uh, out, outshined Valentino in the Open Cup game, at least the one that I was at. Um, and I can't imagine him being a worse option than, than Amici Igwe in the center, either of them, actually. But um, at the same time, talking about Amici Igwe, I think he's looked pretty good uh, at left back. And um, talking about the fullbacks looking weak, uh, Chris Tierney, at least in the away leg, got beat all the time down that right flank for speed. Uh, he's, he's certainly not the most speedy guy out there, and he was no. beat all the time by Joe Public, uh, which admittedly was a very, very fast team, much faster than we see in MLS. Uh, but I was surprised to see Chris Tierney out there again on the left on Tuesday. Uh, he doesn't look so good against these faster teams. Again, I think he was a great pickup for the Revs, um, as late a pick as he was in the draft, and I think he's got a bright future and a good crosser. Um, he's really a midfielder, though, and not a, not a left back. And I think Igwe... Um, one of his actually one of his good characteristics is his speed, and he might have been a better matchup out there on the left. And that was another thing that surprised me a bit. Uh, again, seeing him in the center where he, where he really hurt the team uh, on the left, where he maybe could have helped the team out a lot. Yeah, I think you said it, I think you said it perfectly, Sean. I mean, a guy like like Igwe who has the speed and who has the kind of knack to you know push forward and like you know give you give you a shot, just test the you know test the um test the other team's backs. I just it, it, it I, I I'm on the same page with you, Sean. I I really don't understand the the reasoning behind uh, you know him him being in the center. Um, you know I 
like like you had said, I think I would have preferred to have seen him on the left instead of Tierney. And you know, it, and Joe Public, you know, thoroughly exposed that weakness. Um, you know, for lack of a better term, they really. I mean, I know we'll listen to the clips from uh, from from the from Joe Public's coach, uh, Coach Griffith. And he makes no bones about it. They 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 really ex- they exploited those wings. I mean, they really did. And um, you know, it, it's unfortunate that it happens in the home crowd. But I but I agree. I think I think um, you know Igwe's better served. I think he serves the teams better on the on the left um, at left back. And then having Tierney maybe in the midfield. Um, but just wow, I, I just can't. I, I just can't imagine. I I don't I don't maybe Nichols sees something that we don't. I, that's the only that's the only thing and, I, I have to say. And it should be said too that. You know, we're talking about Sam Brill and Rob Valentino. To my knowledge, Michael Parkhurst could have played had Nickel wanted to, as well mm. as Chris Albright, mm. um, which really shows uh, where Nickel's priorities were, and mm. obviously not with that game and more with the mm. uh, MLS going forward. Um, but again, as I mentioned, we do have the comments from uh, Joe Public coach Keith Griffith, um, as well as the comments from Gregory Richardson, who had four goals, and we'll play those now. Well, to God be the glory, and... It has been a good journey coming from Barbados to join the team a month ago. The players have responded well. Our chairman, Mr. Jack Warner, he has supported the team extremely well and all of the executive. And I want to thank my technical staff and most of all the players who performed, I could say, incredible. And to Gregory Richardson, who we go back four years ago in Barbados, Congratulations to Gregory Richardson for a job well done. Coach, before this tie, uh, you're probably not thinking second leg in New England and you're winning 4-0. I mean, uh, how'd you do it? Well, to be honest with you and not being boastful, we saw New England play against Toronto. And we knew that their wing-backs were weak. And we have quick players like Jackie, that's his nickname, Jackie Chang, but his correct name is Gregory Richardson. (laughs) And we work on that. And tonight... What we should have done at Marvin Lee, we did. They played extremely well, very professional, very well organized. New England, a good team. They play around Joseph, and once you kill Joseph, well, then New England can't play. You wanted to utilize your speed. Definitely. Quick feet, good movement, good shooting. Can you talk about your play tonight and what this is like for you? Can I just explain? It was one of my best performances after a long time. Being two months injured, and this is my second, my third game back. I've been injured for two months during my knee injury. But this is the first time I ever play MLS team. And play at a high stage. But just I just know that I couldn't couldn't handle it. I play. Couldn't handle it. The speed alone, I would have killed them with. <laughs> yeah, but I mean you still gotta score the goals too. And you get what four goals in two games? I mean sure it's nice to be fast, but you're finishing the ball too. Yeah. I just concentrate in training but I'm finishing most now. I just concentrate on get just hit the target. I know if you hit the target, you can score. Are you interested in playing in MLS? Yeah. Has any team expressed interest in you? No, only Columbus. The only team interested. You think that might change after tonight? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Coach, can you talk about your team's defensive organization? Because, I mean, Caribbean teams sometimes struggle with the defensive side of the ball. It seemed like you guys really had things... <laughs> Settled for the most part. Well, I put a lot of emphasis on being well organized at the back, and it is not an easy task because uh, Gregory is from Guyana. We have three Jamaicans, three Haitians, a Colombian, a guy from England, and then the Trinidadian connection. But they're like one family at the moment, and in practice, we knew 
that New England will try to play the ball into the box from the angles, and we were always well prepared. And once we defended for the first 15 minutes here, we were confident that we will score. Like I said, New England, a good team, but on the night, I think that we were a lot better than New England. Now, was it just a night? I mean, because probably we're the better team in the first leg, too. So, I mean, it's not like this was a one-night wonder, either. Well, we played well in uh, Marvin Lee, but we didn't score the goals. But tonight, we proved that we are just as good as any MLS team. And like I said, to God be the glory, and good night to Barbados. You take a direct flight up here? A direct flight? Flight here? Yes. No, we have to come through Miami, and we're going to go back through Miami. So we leave in the morning. The hotel, we leave like 3.30 in the morning. The flight leave here at 5.30, and we'll arrive after lunch in Trinidad and Tobago. Long trip, but good and successful one. And let me say that all the fans and all the people around has been really nice to us, and we want to thank them for all the kindness they've shown, both at Marvin Lee when they came over, and now here again in New England. Again, that was uh, Keith Griffith, the coach of Joe Public FC, uh, as well as some comments from Gregory Richardson, the guy who had the three goals, yeah. Patrick, really the MVP of the series, uh, and also scored in the first leg. Uh, interesting. A lot of his comments were interesting there. Uh, yes. <laughs> dissecting the Revs. He certainly wasn't uh, wasn't going to hold his tongue about what he saw the no. weaknesses of the Revs there. So it was interesting <laughs> to hear his perspective, and uh, I think he made a good point there. Uh, and, you know, I, I do think that the Revs are a much better team in a 3-5-2 when everyone's healthy uh, than they are in, in a 4-4-2. Uh, and I think it'll be great when the Revs get back into that formation, uh, and which kind of leads me to uh, some of the questions that were sent in. Um, the two by John Martin. The first, I think we can probably take a shot at at answering. The second, um, maybe a bit more difficult, but we'll, we'll try our best. The first one was uh, when the Revs have a slump. Uh, many of the fans have their theories, but you know none of none of us really have a clue why the team is performing so so poorly. Uh, and he wanted to know what our opinion is as to what is going on and what should be done to fix it. Um, I do think that the schedule is a very valid excuse. They've had uh, a lot of tough flights. Um, Joe Public had the week off, I believe, between the two games. Um, that helps tremendously um, for them, obviously, with the Revs having a, uh, a tough game um, in Toronto before the series and then a game against the Los Angeles Galaxy, in which you obviously want to have your best effort going there because you have a, a, a very packed stadium. I think you saw the difference between the 40, uh, nearly 40,000 fans in that game um, in which the Revs played pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought they put in a, considering the other efforts we'd seen recently, I thought the Revs put in a good performance, made for a very exciting game, certainly. Yeah. Um, defensively, there probably were a couple things that that could have looked a lot better. Um, but uh, offensively, uh, the Revs actually did a great job. Uh, admittedly, LA Galaxy's defense is weak. Um, but not, not to rant about that, anyways. But um, then they had the, the Joe Public game at home, and then they traveled to Columbus. Um, Again, I don't think there's much of an excuse for losing 4 nothing in Columbus, but I do think this is a tough schedule, and that, as we've said, is obviously coming to an end because, because now the Revs aren't going to be in the CONCACAF Champions League group stages, which we would have uh, predicted going into the season, seeing mm-hmm. their, their matchup. Um, they're out of the U.S. Open Cup, so no chance to win that, and that is one last game they want to have to play, um, as well as the Super League being o- over. Uh, and, and just uh, seven league games left heading into the playoffs, w- one game a week. Uh, which is what uh, Nickel, I, we know, would would love to have and oh, yeah. is going to have it. So I, I think that is certainly an excuse, a legitimate excuse, and uh, one that's been hurting the team. Um, injuries have certainly been hurting the team. When you're without Taylor Twelman, Adam Chrisman, Kenny Mansali, Kelly Dubé, and Steve Rawson for some games, um, that's your whole offense right there, yeah. um, with the exception of Niasi, who's created a lot. 
Uh, I think Castro's actually looked fairly slow. Uh, he was never the fastest guy, but I think his um, decision-making and everything has not been as good recently as we saw at the start of the season when I was r- pretty impressed with him. Uh, and he hasn't really been creating a lot of chances mm-hmm. lately. And that's hurt the Revs there as well. Uh, it's, it's a whole combination of things that have really caused the slump, I, I think. Um, as well as, again, trying to integrate new players, um, having all these injuries, and not just having the injuries and not having them the time to, to get back, but not having the time to you know, try new things out in practice because they're not having the chance to get a lot of practices. And when they have so many games, they need to have their guys get some rest in between them and really not a lot of chances to train for this team. Um, so there's a, a lot of legitimate excuses. Um, at the same time, I must say I was shocked to see the effort that the Revs put in on Saturday. I thought they were going to come out there guns blazing. When we see them lose a game by four uh, nothing, you know, defeat like that, it seems like they really, you know, take it take it to heart and um, use that as motivation going into the next game. I don't think we saw that on Saturday. And I think that is probably the the uh, most surprising thing that came out of this week. Um, maybe it just is a lot of fatigue. Um, I think Thursday night's game will be very telling how that how that plays out. Um, and, you know, going forward, uh, after that, they have a tough game in Colorado, so the schedule is not getting very easy, and then back against the Columbus crew again. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts on the slump? Obviously, a lot of, lot of legitimate excuses, yeah. um, but what do they need to do to get out of it? Yeah, it's it, it's tough. Uh, the easiest thing to do would be to get healthy, that's for sure. Um, obviously, you can't rush guys like, you know, like Mansali and Dubé, uh, who are just obviously, you know, they, they were really the keys when uh, Taylor Tolman and, um, and Steve Rawson were out earlier this year. I mean, they're really, I think... You know, especially with Ralston, you know, his, his value, like we had talked about earlier, his value cannot be overestimated on this team. I mean, just the quality of service between, you know, between the midfield and the forwards is just, you know, it's night and day. And, you know, Castro, he started off the year very well. I was, you know, I was a big fan of his earlier this year. Um, you know, he, his, his service looked great. And I just, uh, for whatever reason, maybe he's just hit that wall. Like a lot of these players have, they just hit that wall where, you know, there's so many games, um, you know, in the course of the last two months that you just, it, it, it's it's just the attrition rate. I mean, you can't expect to be fully healthy. You can't be expect to be fully fit. You know, for two consecutive months, where it just it seems like there's a game. You know, every three days, every four days. So, um, you know that. And then also, we also talked about you know players playing out of position. Maybe players not playing to their strengths, like Igwe, like Tierney, like you know, uh, you know Sam Brill and and um, and Rob Valentino being stuck on the bench when they could maybe serve the team a little bit better in the middle rather than Igwe and and then Tierney on the on the left. So, um, I think it's a combination of those things. Um, but going forward, it'll be interesting to see how well this team responds. Uh, you know, to uh, a little bit of less a lightened schedule. Um, it was disappointing to see uh, Colum- their pl- performance against Columbus last night, cause specifically because we know that Nickel it looked like purposely rested certain players so that they would be ready for Saturday. So that's even more disconcerting with the fact that you know, knowing that there were guys held in reserve on Tuesday night, yeah, it was four nothing against Joe Public, but we also knew that they were resting certain guys. We see those guys on Saturday. Same result. It's just, it's unfortunate. They were unorganized. You know, the service was not there. Um, very few chances out as illustrated by the uh, one whole one goal shot on goal last night uh, compared to 13 for uh, Columbus. So um, <laughs> something is definitely lacking. You know, you made a lot of good points there. Another thing to consider, too, is that Mauricio Castro has got some rest because mm. Steve Nichol opted to play Connell Smith for a couple of You're games right. there and give him, you know, over a full week of rest. Um, but it still hasn't looked that great. I, I'm not sure you know, what exactly is the issue there. Um, obviously, as we heard Nickel mention in the past, he's not used to the flights. That's a hard thing for players to get used to. Yeah. Um, but 
they're going to need him to be at his best if they're going to make another run back to MLS Cup. Yeah. Yossi hasn't looked as good lately. Um, against Joe Public, I think his speed wasn't as much of a factor. But I also didn't think he looked he looked a little bit more tentative going against the Columbus crew defense than we see from him sometimes as well. Um, in which they did have a clear speed advantage against them. I think it's just lacking confidence. I think I think it's it had this on the whole this whole team is lacking uh, the confidence that they had back in you know June in the early months of the season. And I think that that's that's the same thing with Niasi. Niasi is just you know you see that he wants to go for you see that he wants to you know just just test those backs and he just looks very very tentative. I mean you just you just wish you could say listen you know you you've done this before you can do it again. Um, and then again it's also I think it's also a case of you know a guy like him. This is his first MLS season. I see you, and I think it's kind of like like you had said I know that Castro um, was arrested here and there but I think you see a lot of the guys that are new this year they're kind of hitting that wall. It's almost a trend among the newer guys this year. Obviously, Mansell, we really can't speak for it because he's hurt. The same thing with Dubai, but um, you know, guys like Mansell, uh, guys like uh, you know Niasi and um, and Castro, they just seem to be hitting that wall that you know will just stop you dead in your tracks. You know, with the uh, with the heavy schedule that the Revs have. So overall, I just think this team needs to get confidence, and once you get confidence, you know, it's those goals come come a lot easier. I think. Yeah, that, that's another good point. And uh, going back to what you said about. You know, them wrestling players against Joe Public saw the same thing uh, against D.C. in the Open Cup semifinal, only for them to you know come away with a pretty fully rested lineup and then go into San Jose and lose, well, yeah. you know, 4 nothing again. <laughs> um, but we, talking to Steve Nichol in the past, he's he's said, um, not not maybe this year, but in the past, he said that, you know, it's a lot easier to continue winning games and keep building the momentum, uh, which is another thing that's interesting to see him, you know, go into these games, play less or line up a lineup that, uh, at least going into the D.C. game, I think the Revs should have been able to beat Joe Public. Uh, with that lineup, I think Nickel. Uh, I don't blame Nickel for going into that game thinking he could have beaten them. Yeah. W- with the exception, of course, that they had hadn't played so well the week before. <laughs> but I mean, I think that, that that we don't know how much the Joe Public players are getting paid. But I think that the Revs should be able to have a second team lineup, be able to beat the fifth place team in the Trinidad and Tobago Pro League. Uh, regardless, <laughs> certainly not lose four to nothing. But uh, you know, looking at that DC game, especially he put out a lineup that uh, was never going to be favored to win that game with DC playing mm-hmm. their starters. Um, and as I said, we've heard him say in the past that you know it's easier to keep winning. You know, it, it's hard to turn. You know, once you turn the switch off and going into this game, it's it's, it's hard to turn it back on. And I don't know if that's a factor here too. That you know, winning breeds winning. You know, you, you yeah. get that confidence going forward. It makes it a lot easier. And then you go into a game like that. You decide, hey, we're going to play this second team team. We're going to lose. Um, obviously, not saying we're going to lose, but yeah. uh, makes it more likely you're going to lose. And yeah. you know that that probably hurts the confidence, especially if some of these younger guys that you know have to play these games because of all the injuries. You know, that maybe they feel like they can't do it. Because they they lost to uh, you know DC in that game when they were given the chance. So you know I don't really know, um, but we again he had another question that we're gonna get to a little bit later. Uh, we do want to take a break here though, so we can get Frank Lap on the phone and maybe get his thoughts on you know what's going wrong with the Revs and what <laughs> they can do to fix it. Uh, and we will take a quick break here. <laughs> National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. 
visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in studio by Brian O'Connell from New England Soccer News. And now over the phone, we're joined by Frank DeLapa from the Boston Globe. Frank, how are you doing today? Hi, Sean. Brian, good to see you. How are you doing, good. Frank? Yeah, good to talk to you. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Sure. Good to be with you. Well, we were just discussing the uh, Revs' recent form uh, with one win in their last nine uh, games throughout competitions. I think it's pretty safe to, to call it a slump. Um, what are your thoughts on what's going wrong with this team? Obviously, they have the, the injury problems, but more importantly, what do you think should be done to, to fix this? That was, that's a good question. I guess you got to get the guys come back and uh, get back into some sort of a rhythm. But, yeah, it's definitely a slump. Um, you know, I thought this would happen sooner than later. I, I really, once they, they started out uh, really well and adjusted, a lot of young guys, a lot of new guys, you know, you'd think that would take time to come together. Instead, uh, this team hit the ground running and, and uh, maybe, like, burned themselves out at the, at the end of the Super League. It looks like that. And uh, so now they sort of almost have to start over in some ways, not completely over, but, you know, um, I, I don't think I've ever seen this with a team, you know, to, to really play really well and and have played well over the last three or four years, and then really to, just to fall off that 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 sharply. That that doesn't happen anywhere, including in the MLS. I I can't recall it. Now we, we were talking about earlier the the Joe Public game on Tuesday, uh, and how we were surprised. We thought the Revs um, had a team even even missing a lot of guys should have been able to beat that team. Um, based on their position, I mean, th- admittedly they they played a very great game and they looked very good. But more surprising was. Uh, the effort that we saw in Columbus didn't look like they were that fired up. And usually we see this team from a loss like that come back uh, guns blazing, playing the best uh, they ever do and certainly getting off to a quick start. But they they certainly didn't on Saturday. Did that surprise you? Yeah, maybe. I, I'm, I think it's moved just a step slow or half a step slow, but they were they were slow to everything. And uh, they were against Joe Public, too. And it's been that way for a while. So, yeah, that shouldn't, shouldn't really happen, but... Uh, did happen. I think you, somebody you have to go back to. Uh, again, we're not really saying what what they should do now to fix it, but um, I think you have to look back to the four guys they lost last year with no compensation, and that's uh, Pat Noonan, Andy Dorman, uh, James Riley, and uh, Avery John. Uh, now you know you're going to lose one or two guys, but I mean that's a, that's a lot of guys to lose and, and not get anything for them. Now they were able to replace those guys, you know, but uh, on the other hand, you know, you usually can get something for those guys. I think that missing Avery John is is really a big thing right now because he didn't have to go first of all he didn't have a big offer anywhere you know uh and and if he was at the left back uh, last night and against joe public i don't think a lot of that stuff would have happened uh you know he's he's been a very good player for the for the revolution he's still starting for trinidad um 
So, uh, you know, that, that's I'd say that's one of the biggest losses, and I think they've got to somehow, you know, get get a couple guys in there like that because they really haven't done that. Yeah, and, and Frank, do you think that it's also? I know you had mentioned, you know, guys leaving, and then obviously guys coming in to replace them, and a lot of the guys that they have coming in replacing them is, uh, you know, kind of like Niasi. I know Niasi and Mantelli came in late last year; they really didn't get much action. But do you also think that some of the slide is also can be attributed to the fact that we have that the uh, that the Revs have those kind of players coming in the first year? They kind of get they hit that wall in MLS. Uh, with all the games going on, I mean, it just seems like a guy like Niasi, uh, Sean and I were just talking about, just, he seems to be losing his confidence. He's, you know, he had the speed last night, but it just looks like he's very tentative. Do you think guys like him and guys like Castro, um, you know, they just kind of hit a wall with the, with all the, uh, games, all the, uh, games in MLS and, and Super League and all the other tournaments? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you know, I think the whole team or, you know, a good number of them just like that did, and it sort of peaked at the Super League, uh, you know, uh, and they have, and now they have to sort of find a second wind, adjust, and come around. They're just uh, not, they haven't been through a season like this. I think mm. they've played 33 games this year already. You know, in the past, that was more than a whole season for the Revolution. So, you know, and they still got uh, a lot of, you know, two months left. So, um, yeah, I think that's exactly, you know, I think that's exactly what happened. Now, how you get past that and get to the next level with a second wind or something, I'm not sure, but that's what, that's what has to happen, I think, with those, those exact guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with you on that. It's a, uh, it's a shame to see them not playing at the same level they were at the start of the season. A lot of these guys. Um, looking at this lineup, though, we were discussing earlier the. Um, obviously, they're in a situation where without Ralston, um, they they look they're going with a four four two. Do you think when Ralston comes back, even with Badia, that this team um, moves back to a three five two because it looks like the four four two that worked you know pretty well in the Superliga. Uh, obviously, they won the the, uh, the tournament there. Um, recently, when they've been playing, it hasn't hasn't looked good at all. Yeah, you're right. I think they they got to play. I think that when they get five in the midfield and can dominate, it changes the whole uh, dynamic. And uh, you know, teams are figuring out how to play against, how to stop Niasi uh, Sani and sort of how to defend him. But you know, if they've got five in the midfield, it's a lot harder for them to to do that. You know, he has a little more um, responsibility getting back too. But uh, yeah, I think they they've got to go to that and get. I mean, this team was set up to be a 3-5-2. It started in Columbus, uh, you know, I think in 04, remember? And, uh, you know, that's when they, they decided that. And they, everything they've done since then is to play a 3-5-2 and get guys to play it. And uh, now they're, they're in 4-4-2, and they don't really look comfortable in it. And do you think the biggest loss right now is that actually Steve Rawson, who um, I think his loss is what's really preventing them from playing that, uh, as well as he's a great guy, great guy that can keep possession and um, I believe leads the team in assists. Uh, but is that loss probably hurting the team more than you know maybe the loss of you know all three fours that are out right now combined because of his experience and yeah, you know, what he right. brings to the team? That's a good point. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely have to agree with that. And plus, he he could play forward too. You know, yeah. he was out there. But yeah, he's you know those those uh, really nice touches that he, and possession that he has and playmaking. Uh, you know, really really good runs to get you know to get in a position to get the ball and keep it moving. That's really key. I think he was uh, he was there in the D.C. game, which was the only game they've won in the last nine, I think. You know, and he was really important in that game. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's a good point. I think uh, he's a key. I guess uh, if the back spasms go away, I mean, he really hasn't had a long-term injury like this, whatever it is. So, Frank, uh, one one thing that obviously we were talking about, uh, Sean and I were talking about, was the uh, just the absolute uh, just depletion of uh, of the forward line. I mean, the only healthy true forward on the team right now. Uh, appears to be Taylor Twelman, and obviously uh, Nichols inserting, you know, Connell Smith and um, 
you know, in the uh, in the Concacaf uh, competition. Um, and now that Chrisman's gone, obviously Dubé still hurt, Mantelli still hurt. Do you do you see the Revs trying to maybe address that? I mean, I know that they have uh, Arjenis Fernandez uh, out on loan. Um, do you, do you see any other kind of maybe roster movement that could be made that can kind of spell the uh, the uh, you know lack of forwards on this team right now? Yeah, right. I think uh, that's a good point. I don't think they're going to get uh, Fernandez back, although he's been scoring a couple goals in Costa Rica, which maybe these guys could use. But uh, yeah, I think they've got to look. I don't know where they're looking, but uh, they have to. I think they almost have to try to bring somebody in there. Um, but uh, I'm not sure where they'd be looking for that. It's a good good point. I mean, it, this this is really unprecedented. I mean, where they're so loaded at that position with good young guys, and all of a sudden they start all breaking down. So. Um, that that might be the first thing to address. I I, I think uh, even if it's an emergency measure, sure. And that kind of brings me to a question that was uh, sent in by a listener by again by John Martin, who wanted to know who ultimately controls um, what players the team can acquire. Um, and I know we've talked about this before that it seems like the guys that that find the players that the team is going to acquire usually is either Mike Burns, Paul Mariner, or Steve Nichols. It seems like for the most part, from what we've seen, but. Um, I'm not really sure I can answer who ultimately controls uh, who the players can acquire. Do, do you have any thoughts on that um, from your time covering the team? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's a good, good point. I think the uh, it, it's a little bit confusing. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, uh, but I think they have a lot of say over it, and I think Steve Nichol has a huge amount of say over that and Paul Mariner. But uh, one thing about those guys, and, you know, it's a pretty good policy, is they, they don't want to take anybody that they haven't seen. So they really have to see the guy, and they want to see him in person and, and see what he's like. And re- So, so that, that's, you know, in a way, they're, they're doing a little bit too much because they're trying to run a team on a daily basis, and then all of a sudden they have to go and start looking at guys. Uh, they've done it in the past, but... You know, it's it's hard, and then uh, the actual signing process can can be a nightmare because the, the league has to approve it, and and uh, a lot of stuff like that. That uh, some details that you almost don't want to know, but they they know what, what what they have to go through, and I think if they come up with a, a number and talk to the right person, they can get it done. Then you have to go through the, the league and uh, channels and this and that, but but they can get it done. But uh, like I say, they they're, they're biting off a lot. There's a lot. To, lot to do there. I think the, the solution, though, for these, for not just the Revolution, all these teams, is you've really got to have reserve teams. And I mean a real reserve team. They play reserve games now, but you need to have, like, uh, and, and the junior teams that they've just started, if you have, you know, a whole group of guys like that, then you can kind of fill in, you know, and see what you need to, to do. Right now, what we're talking about is they have to go somewhere and find a guy. And it's just too hard. You know, but if they've got those guys within the system, then you can maybe pull one of those guys out for a couple of games, and that's that's what they should be doing right now. And it's just not set up for that yet. And you think that's something that will be addressed eventually? I know that the the collective bargaining agreement, Frank. Uh, I think it expires at, at the, the uh, conclusion of the '09 season, right. and I think uh, you know the cap figure goes up uh, for uh, obviously league wide. Um, and then I know that there's been some discussion about you know expanding the number of roster spots. I believe it's uh, to maybe 30 or 32, just to give that kind of uh, additional depth to teams like the Revs. I think the Revs are the prime example of that right now. Who could certainly use maybe three or four more guys um, to help shore up the depth that they have. Um, you know, with so many injuries and so many so many commitments uh, outside of MLS. Um, do you think do you, do you think that the league has to wait, or a team like the Revs have to wait until then um, before they can kind of you know have those additional spots where you know teams have true reserve teams? 
Um, or do you think yeah. maybe it's something that will be addressed during the offseason? No, unfortunately, I think what you're saying is probably going to happen. I don't think they'll be able to address this right away. It's big. They don't want to give anything away in terms of uh, negotiating with the CBA. So, yeah, it probably won't happen until then. Unfortunately, what the, the league hasn't realized since day one is that when you get teams like, like the Revolution, D.C., United in the past, L.A., that really want to play good football, you know, keep the ball on the ground and, and encourage everybody to play a real good game, that stuff gets negated by all, all this because you can't. It's very. It's even harder to play that way when you start to lose guys and you're thin. Mm. A team like Houston, which can play that way, also can play you know real hard over the top. We've talked about this before. Where they can play really ugly football and win, and that's basically what you're going to get if you know teams have to play 40, 50 games in tough competitions. You're going to get very physical teams, um, almost glorified uh, USL teams. You know, who can also play maybe some good football too, but but for the most part, you look at you know just real hard physical uh, play, and, and instead of uh, you know a better, more skillful, technical game, and, and the MLS is basically going to have to do what you just said, get it, get it up to 32 players or whatever you need to do, and kick up the salary cap to have good football, and then that, that people want to see. Otherwise, I think they're. You know, the, the game is its not really worth watching when it just becomes a real slugfest out there. I don't think there's any real future for that. And you mentioned the the adding on the extra roster slots. The other issue here is, you know, talking about the Reserve League and the MLS League is the scheduling as well. Um, talking about the Reserve League, looking at these Open Cup games, there's been a couple of times this year where the Reds have had an Open Cup game on Tuesday or Wednesday and a Reserve League game on Sunday. And with the Revs especially choosing to play mostly Reserve lineup, uh, that seems pretty ridiculous, especially with the Reserve League, which should be easier to you know, schedule around. Uh, but at the same time, the bigger issue is looking at the league overall and actually s- scheduling um, on international fixture dates, which pretty much no other league that I'm aware of in the world actually does. Um, and that really that really hurts the team. If you look at the Galaxy last night, missing guys like Beckham and Donovan, um, and the Revs to a lesser extent missing Badia, um, these are some impact players that you know could make a difference. And you know, the, causes the best players to to lose um, to to lose the best teams to lose some of their top players. Do you see that as something that gets addressed when this collective bargaining agreement comes up, um, too, or is that something that the league has to address on its own? Yeah, you know, I think they might address that uh, on their own and right away too, because I think they do realize that that's one thing they can control a little bit better, and they have to do it because they've they've, they've overscheduled uh, some of these things in the, the, the Super League and all these. Things that weren't around when when the league first started. So, uh, and you know, you're talking about your best players on your best teams. Uh, it helps a Columbus, you know, that doesn't lose too many guys really, and they just don't have any uh, other commitments. Uh, you know, and, and they're playing good football, you know, and that's what you want. But uh, it shouldn't be at the expense of, of the other teams. You know, I think the the whole level of the league, the Revolution should have been near full strength in some way last night and played a really good Columbus team, and you could have had a great game instead. It really wasn't a good game, you know. I mean, it was nice for Columbus to, to win, and they looked really good. But, you know, you need to have both teams at that high level. D.C. United, I think, is down. Uh, they should, you know, these these teams, should, they, they're not uh, at the level they should be, and, and I think they can address that with the international days. First, you know, that's a place to start right there, and I think they will. Sure. And that brings up another question that I... But I'm I'm thinking about like the Super League and the Champions League. It seems like the Super League was created when the Champions Cup, um, before the Champions League, when the Champions Cup was there, and you know wasn't really conducive to the to, to uh, MLS or didn't really 
show what the MLS teams could offer, and it seemed like a great thing then. But now that they have this Champions League, it seems like that is, you know, obviously the Super League probably has a bigger prize money at the end with the million dollars, although we know all the controversy about that. <laughs> but the, the Champions League, um, you know, you win a spot in the Club World Championship. seems like a more legitimate competition um, that basically accomplishes the same thing as Super League and maybe brings the league less revenue because not all the games are at the home of the MLS teams. But do you see that going forward, maybe not next year, but in the future with all this fixture congestion that the Super League really becomes um, obsolete and that maybe get, gets rid of it eventually? Well, that, that, I think I'd like to see that in some ways. I think you could still have a Super League and just call it whatever you want to call it and just invite teams, you know, rather than... Uh, I mean, the crowds were terrible in New England for those games. It's not really a – New England's not set up for the Superliga for people to – you know, it's not in the, the consciousness. It's uh, These were the first time Mexican clubs ever came here. Uh, it's not a – you know, and there's a lot of reasons that you could just have a nice invitational tournament and invite whoever you wanted and uh, do the same thing, the Mexican clubs against U.S. clubs. And you see uh, – you know, MLS clubs playing like Veracruz in the second division in Mexico in exhibition games during the season. Uh, they need a game. You know, uh, Chicago plays a game. You know, uh, just put that together into into a little league thing. I think you're right. I, I think it's it's extraneous at best, a superfluous uh, tournament right now. The Champions League now is set up to match Europe. Uh, it's not at that level. It might not ever be, but that's going to be the the big attraction. And I think it renders any, anything else a little bit. Yeah. Well, we do have to get to our uh, final break here in just a second. But before we do, um, we know we talked to you last time you were on the show about um, you know sw- leaving the coverage of Celtics. Uh, what is the current status on that? Does it still look like eventually you'll be back with the Revs? And I know you've been getting to the Revs games, uh, still getting to pretty much all of the home games um, recently. Uh, however, that's probably likely to change, right, coming up uh, as the Celtics season gets underway. Yeah, that's right, uh, Sean. I, but, yeah, the plan is for me to return to... To cover the revolution, I covered them since day one, the first practice. So I'm hoping to get back in a year, year from now, and that's, um, you know, that's the plan right now. So hopefully I can do that. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to continue to come to games, uh, if not as a reporter, as a fan. I'm still writing for ESPN.com. So, well, thanks a lot for joining us today. Uh, we all appreciate the great work that you do for the Globe covering the Revs. and be glad when you're back uh, doing Definitely. that full time. Hey, uh, you guys keep up the good work too. Keep it going because uh, you know this is—it's important. We didn't have you guys around when the league started, so so keep it going, Sean and Brian. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Frank. Okay. Well, we Thanks. do have to take our uh, last quick break here, and then we'll be back uh, for a little bit more wrap up and talk about the Revs' upcoming schedule. for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years.
the National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined in studio by Brian O'Connell from New England Soccer News. Uh, I wanted to get back and finish answering, finally, John Martin's question. Kind of uh, dissected it throughout the show. Uh, first of all, thanks again to, to John for sending in the question. We always like to hear from people. Definitely. Uh, get the comments in the show. And again, anytime you send a question to revolutionrecap at gmail.com, and uh, we'll be glad to address it on the show. Um, the second part of his question was, has there been any situations in which Nickel or Mariner have identified a player that they'd like to bring in and the MLS front office or the business side of the Revs vetoes the acquisition? I think as far as the MLS front office, um, I, I think he's talking about a situation like we saw in Columbus initially with Pat Noonan where uh, they were offering him more, I guess, than the league thought was, was right to, yeah. to give him. And uh, I know we talk, talked about that before and what kind of precedent that sets. That was interesting to see. I cannot recall any situation... Um, like that with the Revs, or at least none that I have been aware of at all, uh, where the front, where the league has actually uh, prevented them from actually signing somebody. I know y- you thought of a situation that somewhat goes along with the with the, 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 the front office, but again, I, I can't really think of a situation there either where Nickel and Mariner have found someone and gone after him, and then I've heard that you know because of the front office they weren't able to get him. But I, I know you you had thought of a situation there that brought up a good point. Yeah, I think um I think the biggest rumor last year, I know the biggest rumor that uh you know that Nickel really wasn't willing to discuss was the uh, was the idea of Robbie Fowler coming in last year, uh them using their DP on that on uh, on his signing and um you know last I heard um you know the the numbers just didn't match so um it would have been exciting to see Robbie Fowler come in here um you know uh, <laughs> especially right now given the fact that we have one full one healthy forward right now but um. Um, I, that's the only that's the only situation I can think of in the past you know few years where you know it, they you know the meeting of the minds just didn't and didn't bring bring forth a, a player um, as far as you know money goes it, it just became an issue it seems yeah and it'll be interesting to see going forward if that ever becomes an issue but I don't really think it has been I think it's uh, Nicola and Mariner recognize know who is in within mm. their their money range and don't really necessarily try to go after someone uh, from what we've seen that would be out of that range mm. uh, I think they recognize that. Uh, but again, looking at the Revs' upcoming schedule, uh, home game on Thursday um, at, on the 11th at 7 p.m. against Chivas USA. That game on ESPN2. Big game for the Revs. Chivas not nowhere near as good as they've been in the past, but again, they're they're slowly picking things up. They're 8, 9, and 6. Third place in the Western Conference with 30 points. Should be a very interesting game. Uh, I would say, looking at these two 4 nothing losses, that the Revs would become, go fired up. But again, I didn't see that on Saturday, and that yeah. was the biggest, biggest disappointment to me. Um, should be interesting to see what happens on Thursday. Yeah, it will be. Uh, you know, Shivas, pretty much every every team out in the West is you know really fighting for those last remaining spots. Uh, looks like it looks like the uh, East is obviously the dominant uh, conference right now. So you know you really can't sleep on them. You can't sleep on Colorado. You can't sleep on really. And then obviously Columbus. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very very good match. It's gonna be very telling to see uh, what kind of what kind of ins- how inspired this team will be coming after uh, their uh, loss on s- last night. Well, we will be back next week. We'll give you more information on that if you look at the website. Thanks again for listening and thanks for everyone for uh, coming on the show tonight. You're listening to WNRI AM 1380 on Socket, Rhode Island.